Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Internet Marketing Unleashed Podcast. I'm your, your host, Scott Patton, the Dean of Blogonomics and Technology, and I appreciate you uh, joining me today. And I have a very special guest. Uh, her name is Teresa Lee, and she's with In Touch Healing. And we met at Dove Barron's Quantum Wealth Mastery a few weeks back, and she had a bunch of questions for me, and we were kind of going over them, and I thought, you know what? Teresa, we should record this, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, so that I could put it on my podcast, because I thought all the questions she asked were just fantastic, and I've only, you know, we only gone through the first two or three, so I don't know, she might stump me as we get towards the end of this list, but, uh, so anyway, welcome very much to the show, uh, Teresa. Thank you, Scott. I'm delighted to have you, so. Uh, and before we get started, what is, uh, what's your website domain? So anyone that uh, is interested can come in and, uh, and find out more about what you do. My website domain is www.intouchwellnessforlife.com. That's spelled out, I-N-T-O-U-C-H-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com. In touch wellness for life. For life. Yes. Awesome. So uh, let's just uh, jump right in and, and see what we can do with some of these questions, and hopefully I can answer them uh, correctly. Well, Mark, what exactly is a hosting account? That's something that I set up. Okay, so a hosting account basically is the way I look at it is if you want to start a business. Normally what you would do is you would go to a mall and you would uh, rent out space. So on the Internet, you need to rent out space. And the easiest way to do that is to have your own hosting account, which would be, uh, in, in my particular case, I recommend www.podcasting-unleashed-forward-slash-hosting. And uh, that takes you to uh, Bluehost, which is a very, very good hosting company for basically for what most people need to do. If you end up being an and you can get bigger and bigger hosting accounts, but basically it's under six dollars a month. So that's a great place. And I think every, anybody that wants to get online needs to have a hosting account. So, in setting up that hosting account, what does it then mean to link your domain to your web host? Are those one and the same? Can that is two different things? Great question. It depends. If you uh, if you go to Bluehost and you're just starting out, and they give you a free domain name with your account. And the other thing too is you can have unlimited domain names on your account, which is what I like about it because oftentimes we will try different things and test different things. Maybe you want to do, uh, you know, have a niche market in uh, uh, pets and, and pet food or pet training and that sort of stuff. And then you also want to do one that's maybe has to do with health or uh, golf or something else. Well, you don't want to have these on the same domain. You want to have separate domains for separate topics so you can have uh, unlimited ones. So sometimes people go to places like GoDaddy or Namecheap to get their domain names, and if you do that, while they also uh, you know, make hosting available, it's not their primary business, and I don't think they do a particularly good job at it, and you really want to have a good uh, web host, uh, which, is, which would be Bluehost, 
So in those cases, you've got to do some technical things so that GoDaddy knows where your domain name is supposed to be pointed to or where the host, uh, you know, where all your files are and everything else so people can actually see something when they go there. Otherwise, it just has GoDaddy's or Namecheap's uh, template that's, that's up there, which isn't going to do you any good at all. But if you, you're just starting out and you get the Bluehost account, you can add more domain names there. So that's basically what it means to link your domain to your web host. If you're using a separate registrar to register your domain name, then you've got to do some stuff to the DNS to change it. Well, I like to keep it simple. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do it all in one place. Well, that's good. So my next question, Scott, is what's the difference between setting up a website versus a blog? And um, and I know we're talking about using WordPress, but you know a lot of people say you need a website, other people say you need a blog. Could you expand a little bit more on that, please? Well, yeah, that's a great question, Teresa. And when people are talking about you need a website or you need a blog, they're really saying you need a presence on the Internet. <clears throat> and the decision is uh, really, it's really based on what your purpose is and, and what you're planning on doing. Uh, if you're doing a membership site, for example, then you definitely need a website. And although WordPress has a membership, now that I'm thinking about it, they have a membership plugin and stuff, so you could actually do it on a blog if you wanted to. So uh, I tell people basically to quick, you know, put up a blog because in Bluehost it's basically uh, you know one or two clicks your blog is set up, and then you can go and download some themes, and now you've got you know a nice looking uh, website or blog. Uh, up with a minimum amount of, of time and effort. If you wanted a website, you know what, what I would call a website, then you would need to go to a graphic designer and get them to do the graphical work for you. Then you'd have to go to a webmaster or uh, someone like myself that builds websites and have us build pages for you. Then if you decided, okay, you know, let's say it's a blue, tend to be blue colored theme that your, your website is, and you decide, ah, you know, I want it to be orange, well, I, you'd have to go back to your designer, get them to redesign it. You'd have to come back to me. I'd have to take that design and put it all in. And the whole process would take weeks and weeks, if not months. <clears throat> Whereas with the blog, you would just go and look for a blue theme, look for an orange theme, and boom, 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 you've changed it. You might want to customize it a little bit. you know. But basically, uh, in a day, you can have a, a nice-looking, professional-looking uh, site because I don't want to call it a website, I don't, you know, but, but but the difference between a blog and a website is just you can make all of these changes, and there's content management in your blog that makes it as easy as sending an email to somebody to add content to your website to your to your blog, right? Whereas if you want to add content to your website, you'd have to contact me. I'd have you give me what it is. I'd have to put it into a page. I'd have to upload the page. I'd have to change all the navigation to point to that page. Whereas WordPress looks after all of that, so. With a blog, all you need to focus on is putting good content out there so that your followers and your readers can read the content. And you don't have to worry about um, all the technical aspects of HTML and JavaScripts and Flash and all those other things that you might have to do if you're just putting a static website up. And Google loves dynamic sites, sites that are changing on a daily basis because then they know that you're looking after it, you're putting new stuff up there. And uh, yeah, and the other difference between a website and a blog is a blog has an RSS feed, which means that if you wanted to see if something had changed on my website, you would have to go to it and you'd have to look and you'd have to wander around, see if there was anything new. 
But if you have an RSS reader, uh, or you've got an account at uh, Google or Yahoo, and you've got your, your own customized pages set up there, you can put the RSS feed in, and all you have to do is go to that one page, and if you've got like 10 blogs that you're following, you can see which ones have been updated, and then you just you can actually sometimes even read it right there without going to the person's website, which means that your information gets syndicated across the Internet in a way that it wouldn't get syndicated with a website. Gotcha. So I'm actually going to skip down a little bit down my list because it, this is leading into a couple of questions that I had later on, and then we'll come back up here if you don't sure. mind. Sure. So, so I have a logo, and if, if I want to input, implement my logo into my blog site, is that important to do that so it influences my branding? And is that pretty simple to do if I've had a designer set that up for me, or do I need my designer to set that up to be able to fit into WordPress? I think adding your logo to your website or to your blog site is, is great. <clears throat> There's a couple ways that you can do it. One would be, and it would be based on the theme that you use. So when you, when you uh, install your WordPress blog, one of the things that you can do in the admin panel of WordPress is you can go and look at different themes. Because people create all of these, I mean, thousands and thousands of what they call themes, which basically are different looks for your blog and they can be orange and yellow and blue and green and purple and mauve mm -hmm. and black and white and all it just goes on and on and on right some of them are themes for like some would be golf themes some could be uh, sailing themes some could be I mean there's all sorts of different topics that they have you know for, uh, magazine themes and, and just goes on it's just like it's infinite right so it's you're just like a kid in a candy store once you pick the theme that you want it's one click it's downloaded onto your host and it's uh, installed. So then what I would do is I would look at, at what that uh, blog looks like and I'd say, okay, where's a good place for us to put this logo? It may be in the top in the banner. It may be on, on the side somewhere, right? So, mm -hmm. and then I would, so if it is up on the top in the banner, for example, which is where it would probably most often go, you'd have to have your designer take that image Right, which he, he can he or she can do no problem, and then put the um, put your logo onto that image, and then you'd have to re-upload that image into your into the folder that has all your images for your theme on your on your host. It's um, you know a little bit complicated, but uh, it's relatively easy to do with someone that's familiar with WordPress, and, and your graphic designer will have no problem uh, taking the image and, and adjusting the image with your with your logo into it. So. So definitely, yes, if you have a logo, make sure you have it on your on your website or on your blog site. Okay, and so would I need to let my graphic designer know that so that, that she knows that it's going to be implemented into WordPress so that they can make any necessary changes? Yeah. Okay. So if I had an e-zine that goes out to my list, then is it is it possible to let that easing then just be like a basic piece that then gets linked into the blog so that I get more more traffic to my blog? Or is that something I would want to do? Or yes, every time you um, do a newsletter, you should mm -hmm. you should post it on your blog. So just send the easing out like I normally do and say, here's my blog. Go to my blog to get the rest of this. That's that's what some people do. 
Um, it's something that I would I would decide which way you want to do it, and the chances are the people that sign up will get used to it, and and those that don't like it won't. I mean, some people can. I guess you could test different ways. I haven't heard anybody say one way or another. I know a lot of people are doing very short uh, messages in their email with and saying, you know, like a little bit of a teaser, maybe a paragraph to read the rest of this. Go here, driving people to their blog. And if that's what you want to do, then you, you could. I know other people that. They have, here's the whole, you know, enchilada. It's all the information. If you want to know more about me and what I'm doing and everything else, you know, go here. So your your newsletter, your easing should always have links back to your blog and uh, and more inf- more resources and more information based on what you spoke about in your in your uh, in your articles. And your articles should be posted on your blog because. You want to give people, some people, they, they like getting the emails and they would prefer to just read it and, and they'll be done with it. They don't want to be, you know, clicking here and clicking there and everything else. Other people don't want to get the email. Like, they just get too much spam or they they, they would just rather, uh, you know, go to your blog or use their reader to get, to get it. So, I mean, there's lots of different ways of getting the information out to people and uh, you need to make sure you're covering all of them in a in as easy a way as possible. Thanks, Scott. So then another question, and I'm kind of skipping around a little bit here. You go right ahead. So on a blog, is it possible to do multiple pages? Yes, you can have as many pages on the blog as you want. So there's a distinction between a post and a page. And let's say you've done 20 posts the first post you did will be at the bottom of the main page. The last post you did will be at the top. So this just keeps, as you do new posts, it just keeps putting it at the top of that page. And each post becomes its own separate web page through as well. So you end up creating a, you know, a site that has many, 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 many pages, which is you know, kind of the good news. But there may be stuff like uh, my contact information, for example, or I have a product page that I, I want to have available easily for everybody, right? And I don't necessarily want it to be my main page on my, on my blog. So you can mm-hmm. create what we call pages, and these will create usually uh, separate links that are maybe in tab form around along the top, or they'll be on the sidebar uh, under, like, called pages. You can change it, call it whatever you wanted. So that it makes it easy for people to, it doesn't get mixed up with the posts because you could have hundreds and hundreds of posts, and it makes it easy for people to find those particular pages. So, yeah, you can make cool. your, your own pages as opposed to just posts. Okay. And is it possible to then? So I, I'm thinking maybe it is with what you just said that I can so I can set an opt-in form actually on my web on my blog. Yeah, so there's that, lots of different ways of doing that. So then I can still build my list through my blog, basically. Yes. Great, because that's something I want to do. Yeah, and that's a very, very important thing to do. If you're not collecting email addresses and, and you're selling product, then that's a big mistake. Okay, the other... Now, one of the things we that I had a question was, you know, how do I determine a good domain name? I understand that there that I want to stay away from 
and I'm not quite sure how to differentiate what's a good one, what's not a great one. Could you expand on that a little bit? Well, the shorter the better because uh, you can have like, I don't know, 67 characters, but that's a pretty long domain name and you have to re realize most people, uh, you know, they don't want to type any more than they have to. Also, mm -hmm. it should be relevant. So if you're a golf pro, you don't want to have, uh, you know, uh, youthfulyoga.com, <laughs> right? So you want to be on topic. And normally, uh, also, there's some search engine optimizing aspects of domain names. So if you're um, in, into, say, wellness, wellness, then that would be a good word to have in your, in your domain name. If you're a golf pro, golf would be a good uh, word to have in your domain name. So what the main keywords are for your topic is, is important. And if you can get two or three of those into your uh, domain name, in a way that kind of makes sense. So you don't want to do it in a way that's hard to say because if you're telling people about, you know, golf-pro-training-fun.com, uh, you know, it's it doesn't just roll off, right? Where, uh, like right. yours, In Touch Wellness uh, for Life, you know, wow, okay, it gives me a bit of an idea of what you do, but it's also easy you know, easy to remember and it's easy to say. So those are all kind of important aspects of, of getting your domain name. Cool. So working with what we're talking about doing here, will I be able to set up an autoresponder account? What are my options? And how do I know who cost-effective options? That's a whole lot of questions right there. Right, so but they make you relative. Yeah. So will I be able to set up an autoresponder account? Yes. What are my options? There's I really the there's uh, the best one is Aweber, a w e b e r dot com, and um, they're uh, they've been around a long time. They manage it. The biggest problem with autoresponder accounts is that the company that's sending out, so basically they collect the email addresses, they look after the subscribes, the unsubscribes. You take your message, you put it into your uh, account there and push a button and send it or push a button that sends it in three days after they sign up. And, and that's So what is an autoresponder? An autoresponder is a series of emails that you write once, people sign up for them, they subscribe to them, and over time they get a series of emails. So... Um, Rather than saying, you know, I'm going to send you an email every two days, I would say I'm going to, I, you know, sign up for my free seven-day yoga course. Oh, okay, I'm into yoga. I'll sign up for that, right? And then they know every, you know, for seven days they're going to get an email from you talking about some aspect, teaching them something of yoga. And then, of course, at the end, it's if you want to know more, you go to my site and blah, 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 right? So that's how the autoresponder strategy kind of works. The problem is, is that's also how the spamming strategy works. So... Uh, a lot of times people that spam and even people that sign up for newsletters and courses and everything else and then you know two days later they get this email and they forgot they signed up so then they you know, accuse you of spamming and it can you can get blacklisted right so with a web there are rules that you have to follow and if you're following these rules you won't get blacklisted uh, but it's a lot easier if you just let and you outsource it and you let a Weber look after all of that and then then you don't have to worry about getting blacklisted. So uh, a company like Aweber, you would 
people would subscribe, they would get the subscribes, the email addresses, they would get the uh, unsubscribes and take people out. So you don't have to worry about compliance. You send out your email, uh, it goes out, and um, uh, you don't have to. You know, so you, it's basically, you know, three or four steps. They've got it set up, so it's very easy to use, and you don't have to worry about uh, getting blacklisted. And uh, and they're very, you know, for that's 19.99, I think, until you have 10,000 people on your list, and then it goes up a bit more and up a bit more. So, uh, you know, it works out pretty good. So, and I know there's been, and, and I don't know that this is the actual time we want to go into this, but I know that there's been some conversation between AWeber versus Picard, some of the differences. Do you have any quick thoughts on that? Between, uh, you know, that's okay, between AWeber and some of the shopping carts? Sorry, you just cracked up a little bit on me there, Teresa. One, the number one shopping oh. cart. Yeah. So okay, I'm not. I have to say, I'm not that familiar with it. Um, if you're going to use one shopping cart, then probably the easiest thing would be to use their whole system, as opposed to piecemealing. But oftentimes, when people are starting out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, PayPal is a fairly good, easy, inexpensive um, alternative for. Um, for when you're beginning, so okay. um, oftentimes you'll find that all you need to do is get a PayPal account, and and again it depends on you know what you're doing and where you're going and everything else. PayPal should be uh, an alternative that you have for taking money because a lot of people look at their PayPal account as play money, so they'll you know spend it a lot easier when it comes. Some people will spend it a lot easier when it comes out of PayPal than if it comes out of their credit card, just because they think well it's out there somewhere and I gotta you know kind of use it. I thought about it that way. It's a new twist on it for me. So how do I set my system up so that I don't get blacklisted? You know, I hear that we can get, so that we'll talk about a little bit here, how do you from getting blacklisted? Yeah. Um, but the main one is that. that's on that. So yeah, if you use AWeber, uh, then you you pretty well don't have to worry about getting blacklisted. Okay. So in other words, I guess what I'm saying is you, there are uh, services and programs where you can send it out from your computer, own computer. You can send it out from your domain name or from your host account. Uh, but you're really better off to use AWeber because then you don't have to worry about uh, getting blacklisted. You, and the deliverability will always be better through AWeber than it'll be. Uh, from, you know, if you're sending out a lot through your own uh, site or your computer. Right. So, so having some kind of a system that gets them to concur that they're signing up for this is really important. Is what it's yeah. And one of the questions I had, and it sounds like you've already answered it, is can I, and if so, how do I add a welcome message to my autoresponder? That would be part of what we set up. Yes. Yes. That's right. When you set up. Uh, AWeber, it, it actually uh, it has a welcome message, and then you can just sort of change it and add to it. So people sign up immediately; they get an email uh, saying, "Congratulations, you've signed up." I usually have a double opt-in, which means they get the email that says, "We've received this. Or you or somebody using your email has subscribed. 
if uh, you know if if it wasn't you, just ignore this. If it was you, uh, you need to double opt in. So click on this link, and it tells us that you got the email. And it is you, and you want to get this information, which is a big part, by the way, of not getting uh, listed as a spammer. Right, because then they get the option to open again. Basically. Yeah. Okay. So, how? So there's a um. Skipping around a little bit, I find my blog for because I obviously want to make my blog you know, friendly. I talked a little bit about the words. Is there anything else you would suggest about that? Okay, you broke up a little bit on that question, Teresa. So I'm not sure what the, what it was. Okay, so the question was, how do I optimize my blog for search engines? Because I want to make sure that it's search engine friendly. Okay, that so would that be mostly be by what we talked about using the keywords, those kinds of things? Or? Yeah. Well, first first of all, WordPress tends to be search engine friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a plugin that you can get called All-in-One SEO, and that uh, makes it even more search engine friendly. So when you're doing a post and you've got the uh, All-in-One plugin activated, it'll have other um, sections that you can fill in, which are excerpts, descriptions, keywords, how you want to have the title. The title tag is incredibly important when it comes to search engines. Uh, they put a lot of weight on that, so you want to make sure you've got your keywords and your titles. So when you're doing your posts, you want to make sure you've got your keywords properly. You know, if your keyword was golf, you don't want to have have learned to to golf, 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 golf the best way. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't want to like you know uh, spam the uh, the title sort of thing, right? But you want to make sure that you've got your keywords in your title as much as possible. And uh, the other thing with WordPress, okay. I always change the You're breaking up just a little bit. Okay. Uh, the good news is if I break up, uh, my computer's recording and I won't be broken up on the recording. Uh, <laughs> and we know you're going to get the recording, so you'll get the answer. But uh, uh, with w what I do in WordPress, too, is I always go and I set the permalink, which basically when you do a post, it creates a page. And sometimes a page would be like intouchwellnessforlife.com forward slash question mark P equals 1. That's your first post. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to the search engine. So by making a change in the permalinks, it would be intouchwellnessforlife.com forward slash, and then it could be like the date forward slash, uh, how to use yoga to uh, have vibrant life, if that was your title. It actually takes the title, puts it into the URL. Um, so okay. basically, if you want to make it search engine friendly, get the all-in-one SEO plug in and use your keywords and your titles and use WordPress and you'll you'll look after probably uh eighty percent of what you need to do for SEO. Okay. So anyway. So shall we shall we continue? Yes, that'd be great. Okay. So did you get my last question? Uh which one was that? How do I update my blog roll, and is that blog roll the same as like a blog page, and add links to it? And yeah. does this get me more profitable traffic? Okay, so the first part is uh, you can update your blog roll, and in fact, I would 
I always change the blog rule, and I even change the name of the blog rule from blog rule to uh, something like additional resources, and then uh, make sure that they're good links to things that people coming to my, my blog or my website might like. And uh, so from that perspective, uh, it's, it creates goodwill. It creates uh, <coughs> good outbound links. And some people will say, well, you know, you shouldn't do that, you should do that. I think that really, you know, your website should be a, a good resource for people. And if it becomes mm -hmm. a really good resource, it, uh, people will come back for more and more information. And uh, the one difference, actually, when we were talking before about blogs and websites, websites are very difficult to get links to your site from. So, okay. you know, most people, first of all, because it's work, you know, it takes time to do it and everything else. And also, you know, this link exchanging and everything else, just not really part of the, you know, everyone kind of wants to hang on to their, their link ranking stuff and all that type of thing. Whereas with blogs, they're made for incredible interlinking, uh, you know, because you can have trackbacks and pingbacks and all this sort of stuff that goes on. And, and of course, uh, you know, if you've got website, other websites you want people to know about or sites that you think are really good resources, uh, then you you know stick that in your blog rule, and from from that perspective, it it's a you know it's a profitable thing to do because I think anything you do that increases your uh, position with your potential clients and customers is going to be profitable for you, and you only do it once and it shows up on every page and you never have to worry about it. So, um, yeah, I would update update it basically when you go into WordPress. Um, there's a link under post that says links. Click on that, and you can you can edit your blog role. Cool. So you mentioned something in there, which leads to another question that I had. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah, and I moved it up my list. So, what does it mean to ping your blog? You use that word ping every time I you know because like I've heard that. What does it mean to ping your blog every time I make a post? And I've heard this term. I'm not sure what it means. And is it something that I need to do? Is it important? Yes. So and usually the blog will do that. The blog has a one of the functions of a blog is it will do the pinging. <coughs> pinging comes from uh, underground submarines because they use sonar to find out where they were and make sure they didn't run into rocks and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what they would do is they would it, it was it sounded like a ping. It would go ping and it would go out and it would come back and it would give them an idea of what was around them, particularly if they were down deep and it was dark. So. What a ping is in terms of a blog is every time you make a post, your blog will ping a number of servers, that, web servers that are out there, and let them know that, hey, we have updated this post. And what that means is, is that if someone has, say, a My Yahoo account or a Google account, and they have taken your, your RSS feed and inserted it into your My uh, Yahoo account, it will update. So I go to my My Yahoo page, Oh, there's your blog. There, oh, there's a new post. I click on it. I read the post, and and you're getting that information. So you're getting information to people who are never even visiting your site. But the idea is is that the content will draw them back to your site, or that will be part of a process which will cause them to want to uh, do business with you in some form. So it's called RSS stands for a really simple syndication, which means mm -hmm. it's like. You write an article, it's in your local newspaper, but you know the, the, the major city paper picks it up, and then the national 
uh, you know, gets distributed all across the nation in different major newspapers because you wrote this one article. So that's kind of what happens with your blog post as well. And so even though uh, WordPress does a lot of this, I, I always think it's kind of good. Uh, and it takes just seconds to go to a service like Pingomatic and uh, put your information in those three fields, go ping now or whatever it does. And then all you do is bookmark the success page and then you never have to go and put anything in there again. All you do is go to your bookmark, click your ping bookmark, <coughs> and Pingomatic then goes and pings the major ones. Great. So, so, so then another question that I, I heard someone talking about say that they were having to protect their blog from spam. Mm -hmm. So. Um, how do I protect my blog from spam? What does that mean? Because it sounds like that could be a scary thing. Right. Well, it's usually comment spam, which means you've got the, a group of people in Russia that are, are putting into you. Because one of the things that you can do when you do a post is you can have people comment on what and what you've written. And Dov Baron does this really well at DovBaron.com because he will write about something and he'll have all these people commenting on what he wrote. And that's wonderful. That's what you want to do. It helps create relationship and gets people thinking. And it also shows, wow, you have a popular blog and all those social proof type stuff. But the problem that can occur is, is you can put up a, a blog and get on to the radar of the Russians. And I use the Russians because they're the ones that are trying to spam me on a couple of my sites right now. And I know it's, it's well, I don't know it's Russian. I assume it's Russian because instead of a .com at the end of the email address, it's a .ru, which stands for Russia. So if you're innocent, Russians, I apologize. But <laughs> right now, it's like you're spamming my blogs. Uh, so when you're in WordPress, you make sure that one of the comment uh, uh, criteria is that you approve the comment. So when you click that, you get to look at the comments, you tick off the ones you want to approve, you tick off the ones you want to delete, and only the comments you want to show up show up on your blog. And that's that's how you handle that. There is uh, there is in WordPress a plugin called Akismet which you can uh, it's it's actually pre-installed. You just have to activate it and uh, go through a little bit of a process and it looks at it knows from all, it you know, aggregates a lot of the WordPress blogs and says these are the spam comments, these are the spam people, these are the spam this, and it kind of automates it for you if you if you want to use that. Mm -hmm. hmm. So this is going to be. A, I've got some more questions along that line. You know, there's that protection. I also heard that sometimes it's necessary to protect and prevent my personal home address from being automatically broadcasted to the entire list. Is, is that something that happens often? Is that something I need to be concerned about? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, I'll, so I was having a conversation with someone the other day that said that somehow their personal home address and personal information got broadcasted to their entire list and that, that it was important to set up a pre prevention or protection to keep that from happening. So it sounds like that doesn't really happen unless you accidentally put something on there. Yeah, and are you talking about on your blog or in your autoresponder? Yeah. Um, both. Oh, well, the only way... Hmm, if you're really concerned about privacy, when you get your domain, one of the options that you've got is to get... a uh, 
kind of a privacy thing so that no, when they when people do a who is and they look up who's the owner of the domain, which is public information, uh, it just says some you know some, there's some company that shows up there instead of you, and that's uh, and it, it's just kind of a service for your privacy. Um, is that something that's recommended, or does it not really matter? Most of the time, I wouldn't think. I mean, it depends, right? I mean, if you're um, Brad Pitt, yeah, you probably not want to have that, it, but. Um, if you're into uh, um, criminal type things, you know you probably you know where other like the mafia wants you or something like that probably not be a good idea to to you know have your your home address on your on your domain name. Uh, if otherwise, you, you would have to. Well, okay. One of the criteria with uh, autoresponders is you have to give it's law it's can spam act. <clears throat> you have to give a physical address, so that basically it's saying this, I do exist. This is where I am, in your emails. So if mm -hmm. that is the case, uh, and you're doing an autoresponder and you're a home-based business, it would probably be a good idea to go to the local uh, mailbox and etc. or someplace and get a mailbox. Gotcha. So that because you want basically what they're saying is is that the person should be able to write you a letter call you or email you to get off of this list. Okay. okay. So if you're really concerned about that, then get a mailbox, etc., and um, you know, get a second phone line or something and put those up. Don't give out your cell phone on your whose information or your autoresponder information. Okay. What about setting up Google Alerts? Um, can you tell me a little bit more about this and if this is something I should do? Google Alerts are great. What a Google Alert is is actually Teresa will will use can we use you as an example? Yeah. Okay. What's the type of news information that you would like to keep up to date with in your business? The type of news information? Mhm. Mm I would like to keep up with for me personally because I'm in the the complementary alternative health and wellness field, I'd like to know is there something new cutting edge that's out there that maybe I want to be be familiar with so that I can either access that information for my personal use or let's say I'm doing a detox yoga program, then I want to learn more about who else is doing that so maybe I can track what they're doing and, and find a way that's a little bit different. Okay. To so, myself in the world. Is that helpful? Yeah. So basically, how about if a little bit more generally, if there's anything new going on in the world of yoga? Yes. Okay. So that's news we're talking about, right? So mm -hmm. Google, of course, has a news section in Google. And what you, if you go there and you do a search on yoga, in under news, you'll get the latest press releases and news that have to do with yoga. Probably 50 to 70% of them will be irrelevant. Okay, mm -hmm. but rather than you taking the time and going to Google News and doing a search every day on it to see to make sure, oh, you know, like what about y yoga and swine flu, or uh, you know, or um, right. yoga and sports or something like that. And the reason, so what you do is you do what's called an alert. You click on the alert button, you put your email address in, and you can decide if it's hourly or daily or how, how weekly or whatever. And what Google will do is it will take all of the articles 
today that had to do with yoga. So it could be, you know, in the Florida newspaper had an article on yoga, and then there was an, a press release from, uh, you know, Bikram's Yoga in California, and, and then, you know, it just sort of goes on and on and on, right? Maybe it's a sports team is using yoga to keep flexible, and, and that made it into the local paper. So whatever aggregates in Google, they will take basically the headline, the first paragraph or so in a link and they will email that to you. So then all you do is you get this email and you just scan through and it, the subject line is Google alerts for yoga, right? So you mm -hmm. know, which because you, know, you may do one for yoga, you might do one for all you might do one for different things, right? So the uh, you, you go through it all and uh, you know, and say, oh, this is interesting, right? And the beauty of, for me, of Google alerts is if it's in the Google News, chances are it's topical, it's it's re relevant, it's up to date, and people are talking about it, right? So mm -hmm. then you go and, and and when you do a post on your blog, you say, okay, I'm going to do a post on my blog, which I talk about. Well, you look at the Google News and say, oh, here's something, you know, it was in the L.A. Times, so what, you know, 20 million people might have read about it, and what happens when they read about it is they get online and they do a search for information on it. So what I'll do is I will do a my commentary on, my editorial on, my opinion on whatever that topic is, <clears throat> put it into my blog, and of course now you've got, uh, and you can link back to the New York Times article if you wanted to, and all that sort of stuff, so it becomes like this really good resource, and Google looks at this and says, wow, like you're uh, talking about stuff that these other sites are all talking about, and as you build up, build up, build up content, think of your blog as a newspaper, right? And if mm -hmm. you have more articles on it than on a topic like yoga than the New York Times does, then Google will say you're more of an authority on yoga than the New York Times. Because, of course, they may have one article on yoga every two weeks or a month or, or three months, right? Mm -hmm. So, But they've been doing it for like 25 years, so they're going to have more right now. But eventually you're going to be uh, ahead of them, right? So... I think of Google Alerts as a great way to, first of all, keep on top of what's going on in your business, in your industry, and also giving you great ideas on what to write about in your blog or talk about in your podcast. That's really that's good to know because I was curious about that. And is there a fee for that? No, it's free. Great question. Cool. Yeah. That's even better. <laughs> that's even better, yeah. WordPress is free, by the way. You, you, know, you have to have a hosting account somewhere, which is you know seven or six or seven bucks a month, but... The WordPress and the themes and everything else and the plugins are all free. So this kind of ties into that. What do I need to write about in my blog to make it quote unquote keyword dense? And is that part of using live keyword analysis? And can you explain a little bit more of that to me? Do you mind? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, first of all, I think what you need to write about is what people are interested in talking about, right? So if you mm -hmm. know around the coffee, the water cooler at work, people are talking about, you know, hot yoga versus some other type of yoga, whatever. Then I think those are important things to kind of talk about, or you know, what yoga will do, you know, in terms of making you fitter or more healthier, or cardiovascular or or calmer. You know, there's the mental, spiritual, physical aspect, emotional aspect, mental aspect. Like you can talk about all those things. Um, in terms of the key with the key with keywords is to find out you know what people are talking about and there's a number of tools 
A nichebot.com is one, is one that's pretty good. Uh, Google has some tools that you can use, and um, Google Trends is another good one. You know, you can go to Google, go Google Trends, and it'll come up, and you can put a couple keywords in, and you can see which are more popular, right? If uh, you know, is yoga more popular than meditation, right? And that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And mm -hmm. also, if there's any news on on those sorts of stuff. But most of us kind of, I really. I think there's keywords, there's traffic, and there's buying keywords and buying traffic. And I think it's important to kind of make that distinction. So, uh, you know, using a service like Google Analytics to um, uh, to tell, you know, what keywords people are using to find you, uh, and then also if, if you tie it into, you know, what keywords people are using to find you and opt into your newsletter, what using to find you and buy, those are, you know, and then you, you focus on those keywords as opposed to kind of the whole world of keywords. And you get into things like uh, latent semantic indexing, which is basically um, you might write an article or have a website that's about yoga but never uses the word yoga. It uses all sorts of other types of words that are related. And Google reads through this and says, oh, this is all related to yoga. And then you, you rank for the word yoga, even though yoga is nowhere on your site anywhere. Right, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you know it kind there 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 are aspects of yeah you got to have the right keywords and yeah you got to you know all that sort of stuff and then there's the other side of it is like you got to talk to people, right? Right. So my focus is you know you know what words when you're talking to people every day you know what you, words they're using right? Mm -hmm. You go and use a word tracker tool or a niche bot tool or. Google's own keyword analyzing tools and use them as brainstorming ideas. Like, you know, there could be some keywords like, um, can, I, can I do yoga when I'm pregnant? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I never thought of that. Yeah, write an article about that for sure, right? Mm -hmm. So I use it as a brainstorming tool in particular, but I'm, my focus in my business and in, in everything I do is not pay-per-click and SEO. So... It's copywriting and building sites and mm -hmm. podcasting, right? So right. if you talk to one of my buddies who's, you know, one of the best SEO, I got three guys that are like awesome SEO people and another three buddies that are like amazing pay-per-click and they would be arguing with me till the cows come home, right? So just I'm just putting that in. This is my opinion, right? And these, But these guys, I mean, when they really get in there, it's just absolutely amazing what they do, but that's not... That's not my strength. So my strength is you want to use the keywords for what am I going to talk about? Oh, great. You know, there's 5,000 people searching on, you know, should I do yoga now that I'm pregnant? Great. You know, for sure you want to be talking about that, right? There's four people talking about is yoga, you know, should I do yoga when I have a sprained ankle? Well, you know, will it help my sprained ankle, right? Right. Well, if there's only four people asking that question and there's 5,000 asking the other one, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what you should be talking about, right? Right. And it sounds like it's really about just keeping it real and relative. And that's the biggest thing, real and relative, because there was a time when people just wrote these articles and stuck these keywords in, and it, it really, if you read it, it made no sense. And, of course, mm -hmm. Google is getting smarter and smarter, and Yahoo are smarter and smarter, and they, they, if they feel like you are trying, there are people who, because there are rules, right? Like you can read through the Google patent and you can see exactly what you need to do to be number one. And if you do that, you will be on the hundredth page. 
because they know that people know exactly what to do. And if you're doing that, then that means you're like this SEO manipulating type person, not Teresa, who's got right. a yoga site that just writes, right? So, right. you know, I think you're w- way better off just being real, you know, putting in terms of a, a traffic strategy, being real with your blog, posting, you know, one or two or three times a day on random times, because there are software that will post every day at 2 o'clock, and they know, and then, you know, you get slapped. And then you do articles, put them into some article directories, because they get a lot of traffic, and some of that traffic will come to you. You do some press releases. You, you do the, uh, you know, it's a little bit of social bookmarking. You've got your Twitter. You've got your Facebook, which are the two that I talked about at Quantum Wealth Mastery. And uh, all of a sudden, you've got fairly, you want target, like, in t- your case, because we're talking yoga in, in this example, you don't want somebody that loves going to McDonald's all day, right? Right. Right. So you want someone that's interested in their health and all the rest. Of it. So you want targeted people. If you got the, all the people that went to McDonald's all day coming to your site, they would go, Ugh, "Ain't gonna do this. Uh, where's my Big Mac?" and go away. Right. So mm-hmm. what's the point of having a thousand of those people come to you? Right. There's not usually much point. So, but if you've got you know someone like myself that's really into yoga and hot yoga and everything else and you've got all this great information and you can make it a better more effective experience for me and 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 tell me things to do that I can do when I'm not in my classes that uh, will will help me and blah 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 I'm in right so I want to know that stuff so you want to have targeted targeted people coming so you know I think it's fairly easy to find those people on some of the social sites the social networking sites for sure uh, also, they're going to be looking at different articles. If you do an article directory, since I'm you know, just going to this on a little bit of a tangent, peop, you put an article up, you write an article, three or four hundred words, you, you become a, an expert author for article, easyingarticles.com, for example. You post it up there. Somebody in uh, New York has a newsletter, and they think, oh, I don't know what to put in my newsletter. Well, they just go to article directory, and they say, oh, there's Teresa's article. Great. They copy it, paste it, throw it into their their newsletter, send it out to 5,000 people. And, of course, at the bottom of the article, they've got your little byline, you know, your name, your website, a little bit about what you do, and it goes out. And so the 10,000 people get it, you know, 5,000 open it, 3,000 read it, 1,000 says, oh, this is a great article, Teresa's awesome, I want to know more. And they go to your site. What did you do? All you did was write an article, right? And, you know, the numbers are made up, you know, I don't know if that's, a, I don't, would say it's not an average, but... If you do that process, people take those articles and they put it on their own blogs. They take those articles, they put it on their own websites. They take those articles, they uh, they put it in their newsletters. They take their articles, they put it in uh, uh, an ebook that they write and, and uh, sell. And they'll do all sorts of things, right? And as long as they keep you leaving your name in, you, that's why you're happy, right? Because those are links to your site from other sites. Those are people coming from other sites to you. And it's a it's a great way to get traffic, and it's usually very um, very targeted, right? Because somebody that's got a golf website, uh, unless you write a, a, an article about golf and yoga, which might be a really good thing to do, right? Why yoga will help you with your golf swing and help you play better and concentrate better and all the rest of it. Now all of a sudden you get all these golfers that want to you know get rid of two or three strokes a game. Figuring out, you know, well, maybe this yoga thing is something I should try, right? So, anyway, I think I maybe 
went off on a little bit of a, a rant and a tangent on your question, but I hope I hope that kind of answered it. Yeah, that was really helpful because that that's part of building my subscriber list, correct? Yes, that's right. And and then and if I were wanting to, but if I were, if I, if I didn't have a list at all, that'd be a way to get started. It sounds like. Absolutely, it'd be what you'd want to do to get started. Okay. And you talked about social bookmarking. Is that correct in that? Did I miss that? Uh, it was actually Facebook is kind of a social networking site. LinkedIn mm -hmm. would be another one. MySpace would be another one. Social so bookmarking. So is that different from social bookmarking? Yeah, they are. Social bookmarking would be sites like Delicious, which are um, they're sites where basically if you see stuff that you like, and again, it's not an area of expertise, in, as far as I'm concerned, just you know, here's my full disclosure. But uh, sites like Delicious and a few others where you see, oh, I really like this site, you bookmark it. And basically you're telling other people these are good sites, right? So in other words, if you've got a site and a 1,000 people have bookmarked it or approved it or whatever, uh, you can be pretty sure that that's a good resource. Mm -hmm. And uh, conversely, if there's a site where 500 people have gone like thumbs down on it, yeah, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to go and look at that site. So it can have an impact on where your site ranks in the search engines. And also a lot of people are, are going to those sort of sites to find information as opposed to Google because oftentimes in Google there's a lot of garbage. you got to go, through, oh, man, I just can't find anything that's, that's really relevant to the information that I want. But if you go to Delicious or some of the social bookmarking sites, uh, you're basically asking other people, like, I'm looking for information on this. What are sites that you thought were, were really good? And they're giving you the answer, right? Cool. That sounds like something I want to know a little more about. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a further conversation about that. Yes. And um, and my, my last question isn't really a short question, and I haven't downloaded all your information yet. To, so I don't, you know, you know, I... I was asking about a better understanding of iPhones and iPod apps. And I know we talked about that a little bit at Quantum Wealth Mastery yeah. and a little bit on the, the, the podcasting web clinic as well. And I didn't know if there's anything that you would want to add in to that right now just to kind of deepen my understanding or if that's another whole topic. It, it really is. Um, I have... Basically, uh, the story, and it's my story, I'm sticking to it, is there's a divorce going on between the computer and the Internet, which means basically that you no longer need a computer to access information on the Internet. And iPhones and smartphones and the iPod, new iPod Touch in particular are all like Internet ready. You can get your email, you can surf, you can do all sorts of stuff. And um, so, But the problem is, is that you know, it's a very small screen, right? Like, you know, I'm, I have a laptop and I have a fairly large screen on my laptop because it's like a working machine, right? And mm -hmm. uh, it's not like, uh, y you know, if I'm traveling and I want to do work, I'd like to have a little, or I want to watch a DVD or something like that. You have this little thing that you watch because you're in a little space. Um, you you really want to work. So if, if you want to use, uh, you know, an iPhone for for working, it's just not it's not going to happen, right? 
because mm-hmm. who wants to, you know, I mean, I just watch these people that are texting on their phones and I just go, well, you know, your thumb's going to wear out in a not long time, right, you know, because it's just not the way we use our thumbs. Carpal tunnel is something I'm familiar with and unfortunately I've never had it, but, um, but the iPhone and the apps create this huge opportunity for us to connect with our prospects or our customers or our partners and before, like I'll never take my laptop to the beach. It's like I'd be stupid to do that, right? I'm going to get, drop it in the salt water. I'm going to get sand in it and all those sort of things, right? But everybody takes their iPod to the beach. You just walk down the beach. They've got wires sticking out of their ears, right? So they could be listening to Michael Jackson or they could be listening to you. And that's where the iPhone and the iPod apps, I think, have a real... And podcasting uh, and iTunes have a real advantage because... If you do a podcast and they're listening to your podcast and you say, you know what, I have a, uh, a full course on iTunes, just go to iTunes and search for whatever the, you know, uh, yoga and pregnancy, my course, right, uh, and you do, they do a quick search and then it's one click to buy because they've already joined and done everything they need to do. There's been 8.5 billion downloads through iTunes, over a billion apps have been downloaded, so it's perfect. It's there's no. Just imagine on your phone, typing, trying to get your name, your address, you know, uh, yeah. your credit card number. It's just not going to happen, right? I mean, every letter you got to hit it two or three times, right? It's not going to happen. But through iTunes, it's a slam dunk. So you can do a, uh, you could do a, an app for the iPhone that is like a yoga app. Here's information about yoga and this and that and, and all the rest of it. And the connector app that we've created is kind of like a generic base app because what we've, that you can customize. And the way you customize it is through your choice of your Twitter feed, your blog feed, your podcast, your audio and your video podcast feeds. And if you're doing events, you can you'll be able to put that in too. We were specifically thinking of marketers and speakers and authors and trainers, coaches, mentors, that sort, and small entrepreneurs that that are into teaching and information products. And so, what the that particular connector at connectorapp.com, what it does is it takes those feeds, aggregates it, and then we we put the app up on. Um, the iTunes App Store for you, and it'll be a free app. People download it for free, so you can get th- thousands and thousands of people downloading your app. And then every time you do a podcast or a Twitter or a blog post, it appears on their iPhone. So now you've got basically a direct connection to about 50 million people that have iPhones, and you know 100 million people that have the iPod. And actually, it only probably will work with the latest iPod. But there's going to be you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions, I mean, of those out in the next three or four years, because it's 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 these it's just massively growing, right? The most the fastest growing phone is the iPhone. So, uh, and the iPod Touch is basically the iPhone without the phone, but it still connects to the internet. So it's. Uh, so it really is that new wave of the future. It really is. I think uh, it's it's not something that's going to take the place of your website or anything else. But basically, you're going to have like hundreds of millions of people that are on, you know, looking at your website. You could also have hundreds of millions of people that are are on your iPhone app. 
right? It's just it, it's two really different markets when you think about it, in my opinion, with some overlap. But people that are more auditory and visual, auditory for sure, are going to be you know going through you know the iPhone and the iPod, and people maybe more visual or are probably going to be looking at the website. So, But before, w those auditory people had no choice but to go online and on the computer and read because there was no other options. Now they've got options, and why not meet them where they want to be met as opposed to forcing them to get the information in a way that they don't. Right. And it, this all really was amazing to me when... Uh, um, it was hit home to me when I was going, when I was traveling, and was one of the people I was traveling was laughing away, and they were looking at their phone, and they were watching YouTube videos on their phone. Hmm. And I thought, you know, because I thought, like, you know, I mean, that's like two inches by two inches, right? <laughs> Who wants to watch? Well, they were just listening and laughing, and they just thought it was great, right? And I go, oh, wow, this is, uh, you know, this is going to be huge, and of course it is already huge. It's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because. Um, Everyone's going to have a cell phone or an iPod app or, or an iPod Touch. I mean, mm -hmm. so hopefully that helps explain it. And uh, basically, if you, I was talking to a developer. If you wanted to get your own iPod app done, thirty thousand dollars is is what they charge. And uh, and our connector app, because we've, we we want to be like the Walmart of apps, because we've we've figured out the base programming and now all we have to do is take your specific information and put it into our app to create your unique app uh, and so we're selling those for between 2500 and 3500 we're starting out at 2500 but after we hit a certain level we're going to move it up to 3500 and, and i think 19 or 29 dollars a month for maintenance so uh, but if you're hearing this now and you're, you're quick you'll get the here's the pitch right you'll get you'll get the cheaper price uh, but if you wait or you don't hear this for six months after we've recorded it, it, it could be a bit higher. So right. there you go. And of course, Teresa, you have you have your own app. Just in case you were wondering. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> we got one for you. Great. Well, that's most of the questions that I had today, really. And I just thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And I know not only I am grateful, but everyone else who is having the opportunity to listen to this will be grateful as well. Thanks. Because you're the go-to man for this. Well, I appreciate that, Teresa. Awesome. Well, and thank you for bringing up the questions and being uh, brave enough to be my to be my guest. And my this actually is it's kind of interesting because normally. I'm the one asking the questions <laughs> on my show. It's a little strange to be the one answering them, but uh, I really enjoy it, and I appreciate having you uh, having you on the show with me this week. Well, you're welcome. Great. I've learned a lot. Thanks a lot, Scott. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing Unleashed. Bye-bye.